in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. One day, as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside with his disciples and sat down to teach them. This is what he taught them. God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly, for the whole earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. This is the word of the Lord. I recently visited an ostrich farm when I was on vacation. I had never seen ostriches up close. All I knew about them was that they were the birds that can't fly. Uh, and to me, they look kind of awkward and funny. But when we got up close, they took my breath away. First, I didn't know that they were so tall, and then their feathers had such intricate designs. They were so thick and strong. I could even see their tiny, fuzzy ears on the side of their little heads. When our tour guide talked, I learned that even though they can't fly, ostriches can run faster than most horses. Their eggs also are so strong that we all stood on them, and they did not break. And now imagine a material that strong coming from the inside of an ostrich. But here's the best part. Ostriches are the animals that are known for looking silly for sticking their heads in the sand. But our tour guide informed us that they do this for a really good reason. Ostriches are listening to the ground to hear if their predators are approaching, and they dig holes in the ground for their nests. And it looks like they're sticking their head in the dirt from really far away, but they're actually turning the eggs over with their heads several times a day. Ostriches have been notoriously teased for sticking their heads in the sand. People have thought, what are they looking for in the dirt? Nothing good is down there. They're going to suffocate and hurt themselves. 
until someone was brave enough to get closer and see how smart they really are. All this time, they were just being good ostriches, taking care of their babies. So until I got this close to ostriches and spent time being around them, I never would have known how beautiful, strong, and intelligent these animals are. And I have a feeling that like the ostrich that appears to be so silly and strange is how these Beatitudes look to much of the world and how the Beatitudes may feel even to Christians sometimes, even to us in this room, admittedly me. These blessings are not appealing to this world, but instead they feel uncomfortable, gritty, strange, confusing, maybe even too down to earth. And then afterward, we are told we are a salt of the earth. And then we shift gears, it feels like, to something that sounds the opposite of the lowly beatitudes. We are the light of the world. In the Bible, there's lots of examples of other kinds of blessings, the blessings of future generations, of children, of birthrights, like in the story of Jacob and Esau, the blessings of land, of baptism, of freedom. But clearly, the beatitudes give a whole new meaning to the word blessing. And you can imagine how Jesus was already very misunderstood in public and even by his own disciples listening to his sermon right there. Humans then and now may have thought poorly of Jesus' words and actions. How unrealistic it is to say that the meek will inherit anything. And how impure of Jesus and improper to be touching all these sick dirty people, and eating with such immoral people. But remember that from a distance, people couldn't see that the ostrich is just being a good ostrich. And I bet if we look closer to these sections of the Sermon on the Mount, we can see that Jesus teaches us how to be a good human. So are we brave enough to approach the Beatitudes and Jesus more close up and see how, these, how true these words might be? The phrase, Jesus teaches us how to be human, is one of my favorite phrases I learned from seminary. We know that Jesus is 100% God and our Savior, but that also didn't make Jesus any less human. Jesus was 100% human too. So we can see how important it is to protect and take care of our humanity in the way that Jesus, as a human being, responded to people's basic human needs. Not only did he teach spiritual sermons, not only did Jesus study very hard, but Jesus responded to people's hunger with bread and fish. Jesus healed people's illnesses in their bodies. Jesus protected a woman from getting stoned. And then Jesus responded to his own human needs. Jesus needed friendship. So he relied on his companionship of his disciples. And then sometimes he needed time away from them to be with God, just like some of us need introvert time. He had to keep that balance of relationships, just like us. Jesus asked his disciples to pray with him at Gethsemane, but they failed to stay awake for him. And the people in his life were no longer of comfort to him at that time, so then Jesus needed God, and he cried out for God's help. Jesus showed us the need to mourn when he wept at the death of Lazarus, the one that he loved. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus demonstrates with his very own humanity how down-to-earth we can be. If the Savior of our world can be so meek and so thirsty for righteousness and ask for his friends to help him, 
and for God to help him when he was poor in spirit, how much more can we do the same? Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8, captures this idea. But the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. So I want to go back to the blessed are those who mourn for a moment to think about crying. Did you know that our tears have natural endorphins in them? Endorphins, the happy chemicals that we produce when we exercise, right? I just learned that they also interact with the receptors in our brains to reduce our perception of pain. They trigger a positive feeling in the body. There's even salt in our tears, which reminds me of what follows the Beatitudes, salt of the earth. For thousands of years, salt has preserved food in warmer climates before refrigeration existed. So it's like, in a way, our salty tears and endorphins are naturally trying to preserve us, to keep us going in the hard trials of life. Salt also enhances flavor and even color. But if salt has lost its taste, it can't enhance flavor at all. So what good is salt, with salt without saltiness, Jesus asks. And I want to ask another question. What good is salt of the earth if the salt never makes contact with the earth? How can we be salt to the earth if we might believe we are too good to be down to earth, to touch what many people think of as merely dirt? We need to get our fingers into the soil and connecting with the dustiness because from dust we were formed and to dust we shall return. We need to get in touch with our fragility, our own mortality, listening to the ground, to the voices of the people on the ground, on the margins. In ministry or in justice work and other settings, the phrase on the ground means a place where real practical work is done. That's where the work is. We need to be salt on the ground, going to those places that are lowly, that might scare us a little bit, where peace needs to be made through laboring in that soil. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You know when people say, Earth to Bradley, when someone has their head in the clouds, as if they're not as in touch with reality. Sometimes we, as Christians, need to be told to come back down to Earth, like Jesus did, literally, because we believe our spiritual work is more important than other people at times. While personal spiritual work has its own essential place in our faith, it also has its own time and place. And we forget that people and relationships do spiritual work on us, too. I just worked in a summer program for older high school students. It's called DIG. And, oh, that's, that's nice for digging in the earth. I didn't even notice that. They came to Calvin College in Grand Rapids for three weeks to explore God's call for their life. Part of the time they witnessed the relations, the race relations in Chicago. So me and my coworkers went there first to get familiar with it before the students came. Our host and teacher, Rashida, had grown up there her whole life, and she started a business, a coffee shop, that we met at every day. The street that this coffee shop is on marks a very obvious line of segregation between the homes of black people and white people. So in this coffee shop, she hires black women that come from her side of the street that she grew up on. 
Rashida told us about a woman who she had witnessed. She had noticed one of her, one of her employees was so fascinated with the coffee beans and the making of them. She saw her just looking at them after hours. That Rashida began to support her interests and pray about it. She saw this woman begin to discern God's call for her life and thrive and start her own career in bean roasting that support work of women and that does not exploit other people. Through this example, Rashida was trying to teach us that witnessing isn't all about evangelizing, but is sometimes seeing God's work in others' lives already, before we even came along. Traditional evangelizing often becomes so spiritual or so much about our own stories that we don't see what's happening on the ground. When we witness, we want to tell others about the gospel and what's done for us, and there's a place for that. But many churches are also saying this often prevents us from seeing the people themselves and connecting with them, and prevents us from seeing that we can learn from them, too. So instead of the students of this program coming to think they could have an impact on these people, these people are the ones that made an impact on them. To witness means to see, to watch. So what do you see? Can you see God in your day? In your interactions with others? In people that frustrate you? Can you watch God work in the lives of others that you might not expect? Jesus witnessed the image of God in a blind man. As Jesus put dirt upon the eyes of the blind man, people thought it wasn't clean and it was strange. But Jesus said, no, 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 there's blessings here. The miraculous kind. There's a miracle here. I can make beautiful things out of dust. You're missing out. Do you think you might be missing out on witnessing who you already are? Because it says we already are a child of God. We are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Not, you will become the salt of the earth if you rise above your humanity and successfully avoid your human flaws. Jesus isn't asking us to become something we're not, but to live in something that we are because of what Jesus has already done. I think we feel sometimes that if we are Christian, we are expected to rise above the earth, the dirt. And we stop paying attention to the goodness that is there and the humanity that we share with others because we're afraid of our own. To accept our own humanity means to accept our weaknesses, or at least look them straight in the eye. Sometimes we think that because we are Christians, we need to prove that God works and be better than others, maybe, stronger, superior in what we know about life because we have the power of Christ. And so we kind of confuse this. We believe that our Christian identity makes us invincible to our human identity. But we are still just as human as every other human being on the planet, as every other non-Christian we know. And in other conversations, we are more than happy to admit that human beings are far from perfect, but especially when they are other people. The reality, of course, is that we are all powerful at times, but weak and fragile at times. We are both, and we are complex. Humans have a great capacity to do good and a great capacity to do bad. 
Science tells us we are feeble, insignificant-looking specks in the universe. But then climate change study shows us, we are, shows us that we are powerful enough to damage our Earth. And those same studies, though, say we don't have to despair because we also have the power to turn around some negative effects that global warming has had on our Earth. History tells us we are capable of wonderful things, and we are capable of terrible things. We are inventive, and that we are destructive to other people's humanity. Psychology tells us we are so unique and complex, with capacity to be creative. Yet we are so similar to others, and our patterns are predictable. But the gospel, the good news, is that despite all that we know about humanity, God knows it too. So we don't need to hide our human complexity and confusion from Christ. I imagine salt saying, hello, I'm salt, and I'm salty. So why can't we say, hello, I am a human, and I am a, I'm human-y? In a world that demands perfection and impressiveness and, and power, it can be easy to feel embarrassed or ashamed by our imperfections. It's hard for us to accept our human weaknesses. And our American individualism tells us it's even shameful to depend on other people and even God. But accepting ourselves can also be risky. There's real fear in this, too, because we don't always trust those around us to accept our weaknesses, or we're afraid they'll take advantage of them if they know about them. But God will always accept you, no matter what. And God is trustworthy. We can face our human struggles bravely in all their honest brokenness and lay them on the ground in the dirt right in front of Jesus' feet at the cross. Jesus lived out the Beatitudes in his own life, I believe, in order to accomplish God's will for him. Jesus knew that this work, he knew what worked for preparing himself for the reign of God on earth. The pureness of heart led him to see God's work in people no one thought could be possible. Jesus' hunger and thirst for righteousness led him to solitude and fasting in the desert, and the temptations he faced strengthened him for the work he had ahead of him. And I believe we need to search for the blessings in the Beatitudes in order to accomplish God's will for our lives. <clears throat> we need to accept our mistakes, face our griefs and pains, so that we can grow beyond them and live out our salty status. Full candor, I struggle with ADD. And when I arrived at seminary, I wanted to believe that I already could write the perfect sermons. But my professor was telling me that I had to narrow my ideas down and learn to communicate in a way that's easier to understand. And I resisted this constructive criticism for a while because of my pride. But God was telling me that I needed to be more down-to-earth and honest with myself. And eventually, it worked, and I had to face it. And it was hard to admit because I'm in a profession where people are very articulate and need to communicate well. Sometimes I still struggle with this. I feel like I have so many thoughts running in my head. I wonder if you identify with that. And it's hard to choose and discern the right ones. But if I never admitted that I struggled in this area, if I didn't take that seriously, if I didn't take the advice of my professor seriously, 
I wouldn't have been able to grow in it and improve to do the work God called me to do. Learning about myself took a long time. Of course, I'm not done. And the general seminary experience wasn't glamorous. But improving and learning was better than pretending to be perfect and struggling even more. Do you see that being fragile and admitting our flaws, mistakes, and struggles will not hurt us more? There's blessings there because we already have access to the bountiful blessings in the Beatitudes. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Repeat after me. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. So the charge for you today is this. Think of someone you may be struggling with, a group of people, perhaps in our political tensions, that we disagree with, that's a tough one, and get up closer somehow. Learn about them and see if we can see beyond what we have seen before, uh, what we have thought to be only wrong, maybe sinful, um, something stupid, maybe even silly. Is there something they're saying about our own humanity that bothers us? that makes you uncomfortable. Sometimes the problems we have with others points back to problems we have with ourselves. So let's do some practical work on the ground by exchanging some words, initiating contact, reading about them, eating with them. Maybe then, because the pure in heart shall be blessed, we can see God by experiencing the blessing that this person already is. Let's pray. Incarnate Jesus, be our teacher. Teach us how to be humane, down-to-earth humans to ourselves, to others, to you, to your creation. Give us the courage to open our hearts to those we don't understand. Give us bravery to open our eyes a little wider to see the Christ in those around us every day. Let us not be afraid to witness on the ground or to allow our saltiness to meet the earth. Knowing everything we do, Jesus has gone before us doing, and will go with us now. Amen.